Welcome to Red Pill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. We have an awesome guest teacher on today's podcast. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. And that guest is Valerie Moody. Mm-hmm. We met Valerie and her wonderful husband, David, at Tabernacles 2020. She was one of the guest teachers there, and Elohim used her to bless us and everyone else. Oh, man, he sure did. Now, to our listeners, you can email us at redpiltorah at gmail.com. Follow us on redpiltorah.podbean.com. Find us at our website, www.redpiltorah.com, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Deezer, TuneIn, Spotify, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you hear your favorite podcasts. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. To our listeners, I want to mention that this podcast was recorded by phone, so the audio will sound slightly different. That being said, shalom to our friends in Arizona and Canada. Now let's go to our friend Valerie. Daddy, roll the tape. Amen. Amen. It's good to have friends, Mama. And it's good to Mm -hmm. be on the line with our new friend, Valerie. And uh, Valerie, Mm -hmm. if we can just dig right in, you're the author of a really great book called My Big Fat Greek Mindset. And uh, for our listeners, if you heard our last podcast, we talked about Hanukkah. So there's a bit of a connection there. But uh, Valerie, I wonder... um, if you talk some about your book, please, and what are some of the main points that you make in the book? Yes, Tim. First of all, I'm so excited to be with you. I'm really um, happy to join the podcast today. I think this is a very important topic, particularly at the time of Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. The main points in my book, my big, sad Greek mindset, are first, that Greek thinking comes naturally to people like you and me who grew up in the Western Hemisphere. But the same is true of Europe and the United Kingdom. Our values and even democracy in nations which have a democratic government originate in the ancient Greek civilization. And we don't even realize this. The ancient Mm -hmm. Greeks, in fact, isn't it interesting? The ancient Greeks, in fact, are the source of the right to vote in popular elections. Mm. Greek influence can also be seen in competitive sports. Athletics come from ancient Greece. But architecture, medicine, and the arts are also part of Greek culture, ancient Greek culture, and they reflect Greek influence today. We don't even recognize how influenced we are by Greek thinking. Uh, The second main point in the book is that a Greek orientation to life is so naturally ingrained within us, it affects our logic and our reasoning. It affects how we problem solve and how we relate to other people. It influences how we read and understand the Bible. Uh Greek thinking, yes, it's so all-pervasive that it lies below the threshold of our daily assumptions, and we don't realize it. Next, the Bible unfolds in the rich culture of the ancient Hebrews, not the ancient Greeks. For the Greeks, thinking was everything. 
I think, therefore I am, is how one French philosopher expressed this. Mm -hmm. But this is precisely the opposite of Scripture. For the Hebrews, actions and behavior were everything. It is not thoughts, but actions which matter the most according to the book of James. Unless we become doers of the word and not hearers only, we are deceived. Not my words, but his. Belief, if it does not have works, is in itself dead. Wow. Finally, uh, the, uh, the overarching point is that celebrating Bible-based festival, festivals like the Sabbath and like Hanukkah are a light in the darkness. They pierce the veil of Greek thinking since celebrating is not a thought, it is an action. Hmm. Can you uh, hmm. okay. dig a little deeper when you when you talk about Greek thinking, Valerie? I'll bet I'm guilty, <laughs> but uh, I'd, I'd like to know <laughs> a, a little more about what you mean by Greek thinking. Yes. Well, the, the, the Greeks, of course, were shaped by their philosophers. And Greek philosophers, if you recall in Acts 17, Rabbi Paul was arguing, he was debating the Stoics and the Epicureans, philosophers. Mm-hmm. So students in Stoic philosophy, which comes from Plato, and Epicurean philosophy, which comes from Epicurus. And so these two views can be summed up in this. The Greek philosophers taught that only the world beyond this world really matters. This world doesn't matter, and the soul is imprisoned inside the body. That's exactly the opposite of what Hebrews think. The Hebrew people believe that we're not imprisoned in our bodies, we're empowered in our bodies. The fact we're alive gives us the power to change our world. Mm. Now that's wow. fundamental. It is. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about at least my perception of my upbringing in, in church and uh, thinking about the importance of the world to come more so than this one. And um, yeah. maybe there's something about that idea of being a pilgrim and just passing through. Um, that maybe in my mind I took just a little too far, possibly? Well, it, I believe the book. I would have to go back and research Pilgrim's Progress because I believe it was written, what, 400 years ago, maybe? Mm-hmm. But it could have been written by a Greek-thinking writer because we are strangers in a strange land, but what that means is we're not conformed to the pattern of the world, We don't copy the world's pattern. We live in the world to repair it. We live in the world to preserve the creator's creation. He trusts us with that. And it's a different perspective from the Greeks. You know, the Greek thinking, um, this, this is a big one. When when Bible readers who are Greek thinkers are reading verses of Scripture, they're looking for the nouns. They want to look for the static objects so they can place them in a straight row 
get their ducks in a row and try to understand <laughs> what it's saying. We've done this. I've done this. This is called tight step logic. Now, that name doesn't matter. But the, the point is that they are looking for one point after another so they can logically make sense out of the Bible. An example of this is Rabbi Paul, when he wrote to Greek believers in Philippi, he said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is righteous, whatever is clean, lovely, or of good report, if there is any uprightness or if there is any praise, think about those things. Now, this verse which is written to Greek believers, sounds a lot like Greek advice because it's all about thinking. Yet Paul is a rabbi, and rabbis want to see actions. The Hebrew people look for actions. So he returns to actions in the very next verse. He says, what you have learned from me, put it into practice. But we, in our culture, we're surrounded by Greek thinking, so we don't get past the list. Whatever is true, okay, what's true? Whatever is noble, can I think of some noble things? (laughs) What is righteous? Now, what is clean? And we try to make this laundry list in our mind and live by the list where where the, the, the Jewish people are looking for the actions. They're looking for the verbs in the Bible, not the nouns. Yes. So so how do we go about changing our mind to a Hebrew Hebrew thinking kind of way? Well, one of the ways we can do this is to look for the verbs when we read the Bible. Okay. Um, And understand that two opposites can both be true. Now, this, this is a challenge. For Greek thinkers, like like the culture we were born into. But here's mm-hmm. an example. If you've seen the movie Fiddler on the Roof, the lead actor, Tevye, speaks to two men who are arguing with one another. Now, they're all Russian Jews living around the time of World War One. Tevye gestured toward the first man who was arguing, and he said, he is right. Then he gestured toward the second man, and he said, he is right. Then a third man challenged him. He said, how can both be right, he asked. And Tevye smiled broadly at him, and he said, ah, you too are also right. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You know, I kind of remember that scene. I I saw the uh, fiddler on the roof for the first time at Tabernacles 2020, as we were uh, camping out there and uh, the wonderful family we were next to uh, while they brought a, a video screen and player. And it was, it was a wonderful experience, but I, mm-hmm. I remember that. And quick question, Valerie, on this. Um, I guess it almost feels like one isn't an intellectual if in our culture, if we have a Hebrew way of thinking. It seems like the the Greek way of thinking, at least from my perspective, is thought of as more intellectual. Yeah, I I think that uh, on the surface that is correct. When we have the the the, the various societies at the university, they they have Greek 
names. Those are Greek societies, Greek fraternities, Greek sororities. And so there is an idea that uh, that Greek thinking is associated with what is academic. But in reality, if you think about the challenges of Hebrew thinking, the idea that Hebrew thinking can be full of paradoxes and two opposites can both be true, that's a challenge to our thinking. There's And there's also a sin. I'm going to give an example of that. Let me do that before I make my next point. A Hebrew thinker is willing to accept truths on both sides of a paradox. Whenever Hebrew thinkers see a paradox in the Bible, and there are paradoxes in the Bible where two opposites are both true, they immediately accept both and recognize that it is a sign of the Almighty. It is a sign of Elohim. It is a sign of Yehovah. And so... um, I have some examples of that. Okay. And we read that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Then we read in the next chapter that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. So which one is true? They are both true. We also read that that Jesus, Yeshua, is the Lamb of God. Then we learn that he's the Lion of Judah. Now, a lamb is not a lion. So which one is true? Is he a lamb or is he a lion? (laughs) In Hebrew thinking, they are both true. So for Mm -hmm. the Hebrew thinker, walking in truth is a higher priority than analyzing the truth. Mm. And that's a difference. And that's really heavy. I I think that perhaps in our society we... We are a little more pressured, perhaps, and maybe it's self-imposed, to wrap things up in a box and to to define concepts and to to understand them, if you will. Maybe a little more so than we should be. Maybe maybe we're a little haughty in that regard. Um, well, uh, it's our culture. It's it's Greek culture because Greek culture is very humanistic in that. For the ancient Greeks, the greatest power and achievement on earth is the human intellect. The Parthenon was was designed, the columns were designed to resemble human muscle holding up a great stone roof. The idea that man has the power to overcome nature, man has the power to overcome gravity, that's completely Greek. That's completely Greek. So we have that thing in us that that it may be a competitive spirit, it may be a lack of humility, it may be uh, just that desire for personal fulfillment and achievement. That is very much shaped by the ancient Greeks. And um, in some ways it's it's not our fault, it's second nature with us. So what we have to do is to work to accept the Bible for the culture and the context in which it was written. Wow. That's uh, very (laughs) heavy. You know, uh, Miss, I think we are beginning to run a little short on time. Valerie, would you come back next week and uh, can we pick up right where you left off in talking about how we read and understand the Bible? Can, Can you come back? Yes. Yes, I would love to. Thank you. 
Oh, thank you. All right, that's that would awesome. Be awesome. Amen. Valerie Moody will be back next week with more about the Greek versus the Hebrew mindset. You don't want to miss it. I can hardly wait. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. Please go back and listen again. Consider the scriptures and insights Valerie shared and discuss them with your family and friends. Thanks for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Tour where you can handle the truth.